Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the second half, or at least not being in the first half anymore. It's the All-Star break. Guess it's not the second half, but whatever you want to call it, you're here. You're listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melkier, and I appreciate you dropping in and spending this hour with me here. And, uh, yep, there's no games today. We do have a home run derby tonight, uh, but there is no shortage of things to talk about and break down for the next hour. First of all, we had... Uh, full slate of games on Sunday uh, that we can go back and look at. And a lot of interesting, notable performances there. Give us some food for thought going into the second half. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of closer situations that seem to be pretty much up in the air. And if they're not up in the air now, they very well could be in a week or two. Uh, so coming on the show and having just written a piece for Fantrax on some closer situations... Van Lee is going to be here, uh, first time on the show, too. So really looking forward to having Van on here. He's had me on uh, the Nasty Cast uh, along with Nate Dockett a couple of times. So returning the favor and uh, having Van uh, on the show here. And, uh, yeah, we got a lot to talk about in terms of closers, a lot to talk about in terms of the trade gen- deadline just in general. So uh, I am going to get right to it. And uh, the first bit of news that I'm going to hit here is not directly related to any players, actually, but uh, I think probably the big headline over the weekend, Mike Matheny getting the heave-ho from the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, that had been sort of building up for a few days, uh, particularly with the uh, the recent report about uh, Bud Norris giving uh, Jordan Hicks a pretty hard time and, you know, being sort of the, the deputy for Mike Matheny in, in the clubhouse and... Uh, uh, just a, a lot of situations there. The Dexter Fowler situation that uh, didn't look too good and uh, with the Cardinals uh, really struggling, uh, Matheny's gone. And so they've gone with his former bench coach, Mike Schilt. Uh, he is now the interim manager. And uh, Sunday was uh, the first game for Mike Schilt at the helm. Uh, so like I said, in terms of player impact, we're just going to have to wait and see on that. Um so, you know, I don't know what's if that's going to impact maybe uh, the crowded infield situation there or if that's eventually going to impact that closer situation. Uh, Jordan Hicks did get a save on Sunday, but uh, that apparently, uh, particularly in regard to the reporting of um, Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, that seemed to have more to do with Norris having some soreness in his arm but that, you know, that unto itself is an important development, but doesn't necessarily have to do with who's managing the team. Anyways, interesting situation in St. Louis, uh, one we're not going to really be able to break down with any kind of uh, authority or certainty uh, on today, uh, today's show. But uh, 
certainly see how that that goes after the break. Uh, we also had a big injury, uh, unfortunately, over the weekend. Eduardo Rodriguez uh, injured his ankle, and according to the Boston Herald, he has serious damage in his ankle ligaments. He uh, is not deemed to need uh, any surgery on his ankle, and the team is optimistic that he'll pitch again this year. Uh, but he will be in a walking boot for a couple of weeks and then get reevaluated after that. I'm certainly not making any assumptions about being able to use Eduardo Rodriguez again this year. I guess that's it's not been ruled out, but it sounds like a pretty bad situation. In fact, it's it, it's really kind of hard for me to understand how Rodriguez would be back uh, by the end of the season. I mean, maybe you're talking very end. I mean, you know, we certainly would expect that the Red Sox are going to be in the postseason. So maybe there's an impact to be had there. But in terms of fantasy, I'm not expecting to use uh, Rodriguez. Uh, and again, that's, you know, I'm not a doctor. I have no inside information on this situation. It just, uh, you know, just looking ahead to the fact that, uh, for example, one league where I have them is a head-to-head league. So pretty much the last month of the season, uh, it's going to be playoffs and, uh, you know, maybe I can use Rodriguez there, but I just, I can't imagine that he's going to be healed and then, uh, you know, work his way back. I would assume probably some rehab starts and it's just hard for me to see how he would be back, um, before, uh, the, you know, the very, very latter part of the season, but we'll have to stay tuned on that one. We have a whole bunch of, uh, trade rumors here. No actual trades yet to report. But according to Buster, only one of the Phillies, the Brewers, and the Dodgers could land Manny Machado soon. Uh, there was a tweet, I think, uh, earlier the weekend that said that the um, uh, the trade talks were on the 30-yard line or 35-yard line, something like that. And then by yesterday, Sunday, it was, it was on the 10-yard line. So we're using football metaphors for the baseball trading deadline. That's fine. Let me, yeah, I get it. Um, <laughs> after all, uh, we are starting to divert our attention towards football. So I guess uh, even people who are reporting baseball uh, are, you know, thinking about their fantasy football teams. Anyhow, bottom line here is that Manny Machado could be dealt possibly during this break. It sounds like it's very, I mean, if you're going to stay on the 10 yard line, I mean, that's got to be the break, right? Otherwise it's to me, that's you're not even in the red zone yet. So we'll see what, what happens there with Manny Machado. Uh, of course, if we talk, as we've talked about in the show in the past week or so, there's been interest in Zach Britton. There's been interest in Michael Givens. Uh, so that's something I'll certainly talk about with Van Lee uh, a little bit later on the show is what to make of that Baltimore situation. Uh, also in terms of some uh, closers maybe on the move, uh, the Cubs, according to MLB.com, have some interest in trading for Brad Hand. Padres will certainly ask for a lot, but uh, Hand should command a lot with um, – Couple more years left on his contract, and he's been yep he's been superb last uh, two to three years. So, Cubs interested in uh, bolstering their bullpen. Also, according to MLB.com, uh, with the uh, Padres staying on that theme, both Tyson Ross and Kirby Yates have been drawing some trade interest, although specific teams have not been named. According to Jerry Krasnick of ESPN, both the Red Sox and Braves have some interest in Mike Moustakis. And uh, we could see certainly why with the uh, with the Red Sox, with the recent injury to Rafael Devers, although it's not supposed to be that serious, but uh, certainly, you know, look for more uh, veteran experience and, and probably just an upgrade in general. 
from uh, from Mike Moustakis. According to John Heyman of Fanfred Sports, the Nationals may revisit the idea of trying to acquire JT Real Muto. So uh, the in, in previous iterations, the Marlins had asked more than the Nationals wanted to pay. But apparently Nationals really uh, want to pursue Real Muto. And of course, that would make sense with uh, them really struggling to get into the playoff picture. And with uh, catcher being a really rough position for them, particularly offensively this year, Real Muto would uh, be a terrific addition. So we'll see where that goes. And uh, back to Buster only for a little bit more uh, closer development here. NL teams uh, are at the forefront of trade talks around Jerry's Familia. And among the teams uh, that only cited as being interested are the Phillies and the Giants. And only also said that Phillies are probably going to wait until after Manny Machado and Zach Britton uh, get signed until those situations get resolved before they potentially uh, move to acquire Familia. So uh, I, I saw it reported elsewhere. I don't recall uh, the source, but that, uh, and again, this is not anything that would surprise anybody, but that Manny Machado, you know, sitting there at the 10 yard line is considered to be the first domino so that once he gets traded, then you probably see a lot of other moves happen in very quick succession. And that's sort of what Buster Olney is uh, alluding to here in his, uh, his reporting. Uh, and another closer uh, piece of news here, Rose Vizcaino, uh back on Saturday was placed on the 10-day DL with right shoulder inflammation. Uh, Braves did not have a save situation on either Saturday or Sunday, but they did have, they went into the eighth inning with a five-run lead, brought in uh, Dan Winkler, and then Winkler gave up a home run, a solo home run, so that brought down to four runs, so they went ahead and brought in A.J. Minter for the ninth, so while there were no saves there, uh, that does seem to reinforce the pecking order that had been there with uh, Vizcaino closing, that uh, Minter seemed to be the next in line. And the way that those those relievers were used on Sunday would seem to reinforce that, that uh, you're probably going to see Winkler in the eighth in those uh, safe-type situations and uh, Minter in the ninth. So Minter would be your uh, your speculation target if he is available in your league. Uh, some not great news on Carlos Correa, who uh, we thought might be on a rehab assignment by now. So according to MLB.com, not only is Correa not yet on a rehab assignment, but the Astros don't have a plan yet in terms of when to put him on rehab and where to where to send him. So it sounds like he's a little farther away from returning than it appeared to be, say, late last week. Uh, Wilson Ramos is not going to be able to play in the All-Star game. He's dealing with a hamstring injury. Uh, He will, however, uh, attend uh, the festivities, according to Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. And Ramos is expected to go on the DL with those uh, hamstring problems. Uh, Gary Sanchez, uh, who's working his way back from his groin injury, he started a rehab assignment with AAA Scranton Wilkes-Bar on Sunday and Homer did his first rehab game. So good sign there for Gary Sanchez. And also good sign for Jonas Cespedes, who played a sim game, uh, hit two homers and seven plate appearances. And uh, he could be back. It's not a definitive timeline, but could be back possibly as soon as this Friday, uh, according to MLB.com. 
Jeff Samarja has been placed back on the 10-day disabled list with shoulder inflammation. So a uh, quick return re- return trip there for Jeff Samarja, who's barely gotten to pitch this year, and it's it's been so far, I'd say, a lost season for him. Also, Kevin Pillar placed on the DL by the Blue Jays, and he's expected to be out somewhere between four to six weeks uh, due to a sternoclavic uh, – oh, let's see if I can pronounce this right <laughs> – Clavic, uh, I'm not going to be able to, I don't think. Uh, something with his clavicle, I'll put it that way. A uh, clavicular uh, droid, droid sprain. I hope I uh, maybe nailed it on that one. Uh, so that according to MLB.com. And I think that certainly would mean more playing time for Curtis Granderson, at least against righties. Uh, maybe see a bit more of Dwight Smith Jr., who is not uh, a bad player to have if you need a little bit of batting average or on-base percentage help. Probably not going to give you too much in the way of uh, power, although he has, uh, I think he's hit a couple of home runs already this year. Josh Harrison, to add to the injury news here, he has left hamstring discomfort and is being treated, uh, according to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Francisco Cervelli is back on the seven-day concussion DL. Uh, When he does eventually return, uh, there's not a specific timetable yet for him. Uh, that sounds like he'll be playing some first base. Talked last week about how he had started taking some grounders at first base. The Pirates have been really pleased with his progress there. So it looks like eventually at some point in the second half, we will see Francisco Cervelli at first base. Eric Thames is uh, on the DL again, this time with the right hamstring strain. He may not be out much more than the minimum 10 days, but the usual caution flag goes up there to just check it for ourselves. Uh, after we come back from the uh, All-Star break and see how close he is to returning. The Dodgers option Walker Bueller to AAA Oklahoma City, uh, not having anything to do with his performance, uh, but just to manage his workload. And as far as his return, uh, that is TBD as uh, the Dodgers map a plan during the All-Star break to figure out uh, whether we want to go five-man rotation, six-man rotation, whether or not to bring up Bueller now or... Uh, let them manage his innings at Oklahoma City. As has probably a bit anticipated for a little while now, Austin Meadows, whose playing time had pretty much dried up in Pittsburgh, he got sent to AAA Indianapolis, had really slumped of late. Uh, so go back to, to Indy and try to uh, figure things out again there because it would seem that he should be a, a big part of the Pirates' late-season plans as they would appear to be uh, poised to sell some players. DJ LeMahieu was out both on Saturday and Sunday because of lower back tightness. So don't know if that will uh, cure itself during the break or not. So that's something to watch when we see uh, the Rockies back in action on Friday. Zach Eflin was scratched from his Sunday start due to a blister. So Phillies had to call uh, Daniel uh, De Los Santos back up to make his second career start. Didn't go particularly well. Uh, but Eflin with a blister issue, so that's another one to uh, track as we get closer to the other side of the All-Star break. And um, Dave Roberts says that Kenley Jansen is going to get four days off after having pitched for the Dodgers on Sunday and getting a save against the the Angels. So uh, even though he's been named to the All-Star team, uh, looks like Jansen's not going to actually play in the All-Star game. I don't know if uh, they're going to get a replacement for him or not, uh, but that 
report comes from uh, NBC Los Angeles. And uh, yesterday was the beginning, even though we uh, still had a schedule going out, was the uh, uh, beginning of the All-Star break because we had the Futures game. And Taylor Trammell was named the MVP. He homered and tripled. Uh, a couple of other standout performers from uh, the Futures game, which, by the way, was won by the United States over the world team, 10-6. to 6. Hunter Green uh, came in and uh, threw 19 fastballs that were all in excess of 100 miles an hour. Wow. <laughs> and Yusniel Diaz uh, hit a pair of home runs in that uh, game as well. We have our lineups for the All-Star game. We've got our uh, brackets set for Monday night's Home Run Derby. So looking forward to uh, that one, which starts at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, so the brackets for that are uh, Jesus Aguilar versus Reese Hoskins, Alex Bregman versus Kyle Schwarber, Bryce Harper versus Freddie Freeman, and Max Muncy versus Javier Baez. Um, so that's those are your matchups. I kind of like to see Kyle Schwarber win it. I'm not exactly sure why. Also be kind of cool you know, for Bryce Harper to win it in the home park. But it'll be fun watching, no matter who wins. And so your starting pitchers, one last note here before the All-Star game, Max Scherzer and Chris Sale. So, like I said, lots of stuff to get to, lots of stuff ahead. Come back, stay with us right after this break. We're going to talk closers with Van Lee. I'll be right back. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Host Al Melchior, and uh, just a moment or so, going to be joined here as promised by uh, Van Lee. Uh, before we do uh, bring Van on here and talk all kinds of closer talk, uh, I know you listen to the Fantasy Executive here on FNTSY Radio. Uh, when you want to win your fantasy football league like the Fantasy Executive, what do you do? You simply must go to the very best source of information you can find, and that is RotoExperts.com senior writer Jake Seeley. It is an undisputed fact that no other fantasy football analyst in the industry is a better player ranker and accuracy expert than the all-in kid. Uh, in 2017, Jake Seeley was the number one draft accuracy ranker in the entire industry, is verified by FantasyPros.com, and has been a consistent top three ranker throughout his distinguished career. So if you want to go with the best, if you want to be the best, then you go with the best. You go with Jake Seeley. Get Jake Seeley's 2018 fantasy football rankings now in the rotoexperts.com exclusive edge fantasy football package. Enter the promo code WINNER at checkout for a special discount. 
and uh, somebody who I, I hope is uh, winning, certainly help you win uh, with his columns on fan tracks. Also, all over the podcast world, the Nasty Cast Pod uh, with um, uh, Nathan Dockin and Ron Rigney. Uh, he's got the Launch Angle Pod with Rod, Rob Silver and Jeff Zimmerman. Uh, so glad he's adding this to his list of appearances. Uh, Van Lee, Van, sorry, sorry about my voice right there. Uh, Van, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to join me here today. So I've talked to you. Of course, we both work at Fantrax. So you can check out some of our written work there. But yes, podcasts, I do pretty much everything. And this is my first time on FNTSY, so I'm happy to be here. Wow. Okay, because yeah, before the break, I said it was your first time on this particular program. I didn't know this was your FNTSY debut. So uh, I'll speak for the entire network and, and say welcome. Well, thank you very much. Like I said, happy <laughs> to be here and ready to talk some closers. All right, yeah, and there's a lot to talk about, and of course, you you kind of uh, set the stage here by writing a piece on fan tracks, uh, just about a handful of situations, but just in the couple of days since that piece came out, there's there's been a lot of intrigue. I talked earlier in the show about the Cubs being interested in Brad Hand, for example. Uh, there's been some Jay Reese Familia uh, rumors. Uh, not that, you know, that's something we haven't been anticipating. But let's just break down some of these situations, uh, including some of the ones that you didn't uh, address in the comms. It's, it's like bonus material here. Uh, so let's go back to the, the Brad Hand situation. Uh, you uh, had mentioned him as actually a trade target for fantasy owners. Uh, and, and you thought much along the same lines, Van, that I have in terms of that contract that he has. It seems like the Padres would be loath to give him up. But the, the Cubs have come knocking. I'm guessing there'll be other teams. Uh, would you still think that it's worth trying to trade for Brad Hand in fantasy? I do. Uh, we've heard the Yankees and now the Cubs, of course, going after Hand. He, he's been a target. I really think this is just clubs doing their diligence. Uh, like I wrote in my piece, I do believe that the Padres signed him for the long term with the interest of him being their closer. Like you just said, there's a three-year deal with a fourth-year option. I think the fourth-year option was $10 million. So even that's still fairly reasonable in this market. Uh, let's say, in theory, that he does get traded, and I don't think he does. He's still going to be one of those relievers who's – uh, metrics and secondary stuff really provides value for you in this market and the way pitching is anymore. I think it's almost more valuable to have a relief pitcher who's not going to hurt your ratios than, say, a fifth starter, because now we're seeing fifth starters only go four and a third, five innings at best. And so you're not getting quality starts, so particularly quality start leagues that hurts. And they're not that good. I mean, pitching is, is a tough market anymore. So I really think even if he does get traded, he's going to provide you some good value. And I think the Brad Hand owner, unless they're me or you even per se, they're probably going to be okay with trading him for something reasonable. And I think the Padres aren't really going to deal him unless they get blown out of the water. I think a guy we'll talk about here in a little bit, Kirby Yates, is more likely to be traded just because of uh, his cost and uh, – uh, the return he could bring back versus uh, the the proven commodity that is Brad Hand. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, and, and Yates, uh, you could maybe say something similar about him as well. I mean, he's not closing now, you know, other than occasionally, uh, but he, you know, could help you with strikeouts and, and some ratios as well. Uh, another uh, reliever that you mentioned, uh, maybe a potential closer in waiting, is Jace Fry. Uh, I went out and when he first came up with the White Sox, maybe about a week or so in when, you know, he was just striking everybody out, not giving anything up. I picked him up in a bunch of places and I've, I've wound up dropping him. Uh, I think in pretty much every league where I had picked him up, 
you're saying uh, he's a potential target. Maybe it's a, it's a waiver target as much, if not more, than as a trade target in fantasy. Um, had gone through a rough stretch, pitched well on Saturday. Uh, do you think that the opportunity is still there for Jace Fry to pick up saves for the White Sox down the stretch, or, or has that uh, maybe passed him by? I think it's there simply because of the cost uh, to us as fantasy owners, because he's not going to cost anything. Like you said, he's maybe even a waiver wire target because he has been dropped by a few teams. He has a 399 ERA, which is a bit misleading. All the, the metrics, FIP, XFIP, they like him at closer to a 3 ERA. So he's a little better than uh, his ERA shows. Of course, he's striking a lot of people out still. He's got 11.35 K per nine. He's not walking too many at 3.68, which is just fine for a reliever. I think he's a good target in that he's going to cost you nothing. But conversely, if you have him on your team, you can do exactly what you did. You can cut him because he's just a piece that if it works out, great. If it doesn't work out, you know, he's okay to drop him. Uh, I do think that ultimately Joaquin Soria gets traded. And if that does happen, which it should because he's still on a, on a cheap deal, the, uh, the White Sox are obviously sellers, so they don't really need him. And he's a solid pitcher, so I think somebody's going to pay up for him. If that does happen, fries the guy. Uh, I think we've seen that Nate Jones really just can't stay healthy, and he hasn't really been as good as uh, a lot of people expect this year. So it's really going to be Fry or Cedeno, and I just don't see Cedeno uh, with closer stuff. I think it's more or less Fry. And the thing to worry about with Fry is that a lot of smaller market teams will not give the closer's job to guys like this because they want to keep the cost down. However, the White Sox are kind of in that middle ground where they do have some money, so I don't think they're going to be quite as cautious with that to say it like the Rays would be. So I do think he gets the job and, and runs with it towards the end of the season. However, if something comes up and Soria doesn't get traded, then you're fine. I mean, just cut Jace Fry. It's not a big deal. It didn't cost you a whole lot. Yeah, just a roster spot. And, uh, you know, we're probably all at this point stashing, you know, at least one or two guys, uh, you know, just for the potential save. So I think you're right. There's really no other candidate there uh, for the White Sox. Now, the, the Orioles situation's interesting because that whole back end of the bullpen could be gone in a couple of weeks. You know, there's been a lot of rup- a lot of rumors about uh, Britain, but some about Givens. Uh, earlier in the season, there have been some rumors about Brock. And, you know, you get those three out of the pit- picture – with uh, Darren O'Day on the DL, uh, you know, it's sort of like tumbleweeds. <laughs> but you had Paul Fry set up for um, for Zach Britton on Sunday. So as long as we're, uh, you know, talking talking about fries here, and it was just, you know, French Fry Day <laughs> a few days ago, uh, which fry do you think is actually the better target, Jace or Paul? I'll stick with Jace. Uh, if I rate these three closes we've talked about, it's obviously hand at the top. Then it's Jace quite a bit further down, and then it's even further down for Paul Fry. I think the Royals are going to trade some of these guys, but the odds that they trade all three are kind of slim to me. I think Brack is probably the guy that ends up staying there. So if I'm going to you know, trade away something minor, because I don't think it'll cost a whole lot, I think Brack is going to be the guy I'm going to target. He's had a rougher year than he's had in, in say, last year or years past, but he's still a solid pitcher, and I think he has the job. Givens, you're right. I think the Dodgers were talking about getting him uh, either way. He's a really good pitcher. And if the Orioles weren't apt to trade some of these guys, he'd be the guy at target because I think he's got closer stuff, but I ultimately think he gets moved. So it's probably, if I'm looking at the Orioles staff, I'm going to target Brack first. Then I'm going to target Paul Fry. Fry's got okay stuff. I don't think he's a long-term closer, but in the interim, I think he could be pretty solid. Uh, he struggles with the walks, and I just don't foresee that uh, getting better with the, with how he pitches. However, we've seen in this era that 
you know, high strikeout, high walk guys can succeed for brief periods of time. Mm -hmm. So he's definitely a guy that you can own. However, again, I'm still going to target Brack in that bullpen. All right, makes sense, makes sense. And you got a similar situation in Miami where you might see that whole back end of the bullpen uh, go somewhere. But uh, you had mentioned in your column that Drew Steckenrider was somebody to target. So why does he stand out amongst, uh, you know, several arms uh, in the back of that bullpen? Well, we've seen guys like uh, Nick Whitgren, who was considered like the closer of the future at one point in time. He struggled. He's been hurt. So I think he's kind of out. Steckenrider has been solid, if not great. Uh, 338 ERA. The ERA indicators like him right at about three. Exit doesn't like him as much because he's given up quite a few home runs. Uh, but for the most part, he's a solid pitcher. Good strikeout rates. 10.55 this season, K per nine. He's been over 11 in the minors. The walks are, again, a little high, 422, but that's, again, acceptable for a closer in this day and age, particularly for a team like the Marlins who are super cheap and they're not going to go out and get a closer. I think they'd be okay with him in the role. I think we're going to see Barraclaw moved and we've even seen, I believe the Dodgers again, we're looking in on Brad Ziegler and let's say Ziegler doesn't get traded and Barraclaw does. I don't think they're going to give Ziegler the opportunity to close anymore. He's shown that he struggled this season in that regard. And I think they're going to pump up Drew Steckenrider and maybe next year they end up trading Steckenrider because they don't ever keep anyone. But he's <laughs> definitely a guy that can handle closing duties, particularly for a team like the Marlins, who, by the way, it's worth pointing out, maybe they're not going to win a lot of games, but when they do win, it's by a small margin. So the save opportunities are decent with them. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that because a lot of people, you know, more so I think in, in the, you know, draft prep preseason time of year, and they'll say, oh, well, you know, the Marlins or this team or that team, you know, they're not going to have that many save opportunities. But a lot of times it is the teams that don't win a lot that do provide a surprising number of save opportunities for the, exactly that reason. So, that, you know, that's, I, I think that second writer, I would agree with you that he probably has the best chance of emerging with saves out of that group. And, and he could get some save opportunity. So I think it's an important thing to point out. So you you'd mentioned earlier, you said uh, we're going to circle t- uh, back and talk about Kirby Yates a little bit. But that um, Padre situation, I mean, we can look at it a few different ways. You seem to think that Brad Hand is going to stay. I could definitely see that scenario. But let's say that Hand and Kirby Yates both get traded. Is there anybody there uh, that would be worth speculating on? Uh, yeah, I think uh, Stammen, Craig Stammen's going to be the guy. Uh, he's not exciting, but he would be somebody who <laughs> basically just kind of wanders into the job. Now, he's not a guy you're going to target for the long term. I think he'd be fine for the rest of the season and maybe not give you great ratios, but uh, solid ratios. Uh, but if I'm looking ahead to, say, 2019, I'm probably not going to be looking at Craig Stammen as the guy. Uh, I think he'd just need to reevaluate in the offseason that team, maybe who they've got in the minors, because I could foresee him going a month and then getting uh, blown up once or twice and somebody in the minors, somebody not on the team right now, gets the job. Uh, again, that's, as I've said earlier, that's not really what, who I'm going to target. But if you're in, say, a 15-team-plus league, maybe a 16-team, dynasty league, 20-team league, yeah, Craig Stammen's a guy that you can pick up and stick on your, your bench just in case. I mean, it's going to be a week or two, three weeks, and we'll know the answer with the Padres, and uh, mm-hmm. then you can make another decision as to whether or not to keep him on your bench or cut him. All right, well, and then how about the Rays? I mean, I think it it would be an upset if they didn't trade Sergio Romo. Uh, so, you know, we've, we've seen uh, Jose Alvarado get a few chances, but uh, do you think he would be the primary guy if Romo were to be traded or um, Diego Castillo, somebody else, all of the above? <laughs> 
All of the above would be the short answer. I think Jose Alvarado is the guy to target because I think he's going to be the closer in 2019. However, this is a situation I'm probably just going to avoid. You're right. Romo probably gets traded, and he should. He's provided enough value in weird, weird ways this season. But I think he'll he'll provide value to some team anywhere. And right now he's worth owning because he is getting saves. He is getting just weird ratios and everything. So he's fine. But if he gets moved... I like Alvarado as the number one, but my number two guy that uh, may not be the consensus is Ryan Stanek. I think he's a solid enough pitcher that it kind of falls along those lines. Like we talked earlier of, you know, he's a guy who's not going to hurt your ratios and he might help you in these deeper leagues. So he's who I'm going to target. I don't really like Castillo, Diego Castillo, all that much. I think he's a fine pitcher, but just it's one of those that I can't really put the science on it. I just don't like something about his repertoire. Uh, so I'm going to go Alvarado as the number one target, and then Stanek is my number two guy, my handcuff. Yeah, well, uh, about this time a year ago, I thought Stanek was going to be <laughs> going to be the guy. Last year, he can uh, certainly get a lot of strikeouts, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, he's got a lot of play as an opener uh, for the Rays uh, of late. Uh, so Jerry's <laughs> Familia, I think we could pretty much assume he's going to be gone, uh, but that's a weird situation to to handicap, uh, given that nobody's really stepping up. Uh, so is there anybody that you like there, or you just pass with the Mets? Like is a, a tricky word. This is going to be a <laughs> pass situation for me. Uh, we've seen Swarzak last year was kind of a guy that everybody thought could be a closer, so maybe there's an opportunity he gets it. Gesellman's had the basically the inside track. He's gotten a, a save recently, and uh, I guess he's all right in the bullpen. He's clearly not a starter. I think we're done with that experience, and the Mets just seem to have those guys where they, they have these starting pitchers that just can't quite cut it, so they move in the bullpen and it works out okay. So he's probably the guy that I'm going to target if I'm desperate. Uh, for the most part, this is going to be a team I avoid because, like I said, it, it's going to be in flux. But if I'm desperate and I really want to get one of these guys, it's probably going to be a good Selman. But don't sleep on Swarzak. Uh, he's kind of reinvented his career, uh, like we said last year, and he's got some potential to get some saves if Gisellman blows up, ends up blowing a few saves. Yeah, and I think it's a tough, tough call between the two of them. Uh, and Fernando Rodney came in the fifth inning for the Twins yesterday. That turned out he had a flight to catch, uh, so at least we got an explanation <laughs> yeah. for that. But uh, you know, maybe he'll he'll be uh, catching a flight to some other team if the Twins don't get back in it pretty quickly uh, after the break. So, um, you comfortable with Hildenberger there, or you think that Rodney will stay, or how you read that situation? I think Rodney will get traded. Ultimately, that's going to happen. Uh, I don't know that he's really going to get traded to a position where he closes anymore, though he's just proven that he can kind of do it. Uh, I will say that Hildenberger is probably the guy to own just because he's kind of been given the opportunities. He's not a guy that I really think is going to be awesome. That could also be Ryan Presley, but I'll I'll put my coins in the Hildenberger uh, uh, bank here just because I think he ends up getting the job. And it's worth pointing out that, like you said, uh, Rodney comes in in the fifth inning and we think, oh, man, this is such a smart move. And it turns out he has an immigration <laughs> hearing. And so, yeah, the, Paul Molitor didn't do anything brilliant. It just kind of happened. <laughs> yeah, it certainly worked worked out. Uh, so, well, I think we only got uh, maybe not even a, a minute left here, Van, but so just, you know, lightning round real quick here. Any concerns about Bud Norris or Corey Knebel? A little bit about Norris. I think Hicks is the guy to own in that bullpen. Uh, also, because like we talked about, he's, he's worth owning just because of the ratio. So he's a guy I'm going to target, particularly in Dynasty, because I think he has the job next year. Nabel, I'm not too worried about, though it is also worth owning Josh Hader or uh, Corbin in that uh, Corbin Burns in that uh, bullpen. 
Wow, that escalated quickly, but I like it. <laughs> I like that a lot. Uh, well, Van, thank you so much. We we got through a lot of situations here in our, our one segment. So uh, appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing the knowledge with us. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, Al. All right, take care, Van. It's Van Lee from Fantrax and many, many other places. Uh, we got to head to break. We'll come right back with our Sunday standouts in just a moment. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and had a great time with Van Lee on that last segment. Uh, some good uh, good analysis there of some uh, closure situations. Van came from a little bit of a different angle on some of them that I've been coming on. So uh, I found it very helpful. I hope you did, too. You can find Van uh, if you want more helpful information and analysis uh, from Van Lee. Uh, he's on Twitter at Manly Van Lee. Uh, his name is V-A-N-L-E-E, uh, Manly Van Lee. But you can also catch him uh, all over uh, the podcast, uh, podcast verse, podverse. I'll work on that. Uh, but in addition to fan tracks, you can find him on the Launch Angle pod, uh, and you can also find him on the Nasty Cast pod, uh, which is great fun. So, uh Check them out in all those places if you can. Uh, so, all right. Uh, we have lots of uh, notable performances from the last day of the first half. So we'll break down some of those in just a moment. But I do have an update on the uh, DKMS Trivia Challenge. This is awesome. Last week on Game Time Decisions, the FNTSY Sports Radio Network awarded Jorge Lorenzo of New York City Two tickets to a 2018 World Series game uh, in the DKMS MLB Trivia Challenge. Uh, so congratulations to Jorge. That's fantastic. Uh, but answering trivia questions isn't the only way that you can win tickets to the World Series here on the network. You can also win by playing in free daily fantasy MLB contest sponsored by DKMS held every day that MLB is played. Uh, I don't know about this Thursday, but you know certainly Friday we got... Uh, full slate of games uh go to dailyrodo.com slash dkms where you can find out how to help save a life and win 2018 world series tickets playing free daily fantasy baseball the contest will continue every day throughout the regular season even once the football season is well underway so that's dailyrodo.com slash dkms your ticket to the world series and a blood cancer patient's ticket to life. So please do uh, check that out. And uh, so as I promised, uh, we are going to get to uh, some performances from uh, Sunday's games. Uh, yeah, I'd already mentioned uh, we have the all-star uh, lineups. out. We'll probably break that all down uh, tomorrow. We got lots of uh, time on uh, Tuesdays with Modica 
to uh, take a closer look at the uh, All-Star game and look back on uh, tonight's uh, Home Run Derby. So let's uh, go go to uh, Tuesday's games. And um, Tasker Hernandez is somebody I talked about quite a bit earlier in the season. Uh, lighten up the stack cast leaderboards in terms of uh, exit velocity and barrel rate. And uh, he had a pretty nasty slump there, though, for a while. Uh, looks like maybe coming into the break, uh, Tasker Hernandez is... Uh, heating up a little bit again against the Red Sox on Sunday. He had his 15th home run of the season. That was his second home run in that series in the last three games. But in the 13 games previous to the last three where he's hit a couple of home runs in those 13 games, he had just 217 with no home runs. But even in spite of that and, and including that on the season going into the all-star break, Tasker Hernandez is third uh, among all hitters with at least 150 batted balls, third in terms of barrel rate, and sixth in terms of average exit velocity on fly balls and liners. So the power's legit. Um, the strikeout rate is not so great, but it's not it's not so bad. I mean, in this era of uh, three true outcomes, he's not a terrible contact hitter. He's not. I would say he's good. But uh, you could you could live with the strikeout rate, and I think better things are, are going to be ahead uh, for for Hernandez. I also think better things are going to be ahead for Cameron Maben, who with uh, Lewis Brinson out for uh, for some time now, uh, he should play pretty much every day in center field. And Maben had a three hit game on Sunday against the Phillies, stole his eighth base of the season, which is you know really where Maben's value is at. Also hit a home run, just his second of the season. But I think with that steady playing time, you're going to see that stolen base count in the second half really start to pick up. I actually tried to pick up Cameron Maben in a Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational in the final uh, Fab bidding before the break uh, Sunday night. And I came up about $10 short. I think I bid, I want to say $13, and I think he went maybe for $22, $23, something like that. So just to give you, uh, if, if Maven's available in your league, and now this is a 15-team mixed league, so you may need to uh, adjust that depending on your, your league size and format. But uh, you know, hopefully that gives you some ballpark idea of what you might have to spend to get Maven. You know, not really a lot. Uh, certainly, I think the longer you wait, probably the more you'll have to spend. But if he's, av- if he's available for you uh, in your roto leagues, especially, uh, it's worth. I think it's worth the expense. And another Marlin with a big uh, game, a three-hit game against the Phillies on Sunday was Brian Anderson, and he's come up quite a bit on the show because he has been hot of late. Uh, he had his eighth home run and his twenty-third double of the season. He has now hit in nine consecutive games, and over the hit streak, he's 14 for 40, which is good for a 350 average. He's hit three home runs, so the the power has been on a bit of an uptick there, and he's not striking out at, at all. So you know it's a 350 average that's not uh, you know BABIP loaded uh, or even BABIP loaded. I'm not sure why I went with the way I pronounced it. You know, like four years ago. Uh, it's Babbitt. Anyhow, uh, Brian Anderson, I, I'm not counting on the, the power to, uh, you know, be on the current tra- trajectory that it's at, uh, given that he has really made a, a conscious effort this season to be more of a line drive hitter. I don't remember where I read that, but uh, I don't see him. It just doesn't make sense that he would revert to, you know, lifting the ball in the second half. But 
somebody who could certainly help you with uh, with batting average and uh, maybe runs. Uh, and great for points league, uh, where you know he's probably not going to strike out very much, and you get rewarded there. Adalberto Mondesi, he's also been on the uptick uh, last week or two. On Sunday, he had his third homer of the season and his fifth double against the White Sox. And over his last nine games, he is 11th for 34. That's a 324 average with a couple homers and a couple doubles. So not quite exactly matching up with Brian Anderson's uh, stats over that same period, but still definitely picking up. And and also um, the season-to-date stats still suffering from not a lot of hitting when he first got called up. So it still might be a good opportunity for you to get Mondesi uh, if you're talking about trade without having to give up too much or if it's fab, not having to spend too much uh, to get him. And Daniel Palka, uh, who, like Teoscar Hernandez, is something of uh, a stack cast standout. He is starting to show uh, show some power again. Uh, I don't think you're, this is something you are going to be able to count on for any kind of uh, batting average or OBP. Uh, so you're getting power in spite of that. But uh, he went three for four on Sunday, hit his 12th homer of the year. And in the series against the Royals, Palka went six for 11. And over his last 11 games, 10 for 41. So obviously that batting average has been boosted by just the last three games for Palka. But 10 for 41, which is only a 244 batting average. So even with the help of a good weekend series, uh, over the longer term, Palka is not really hitting for average that much, but he has hit five home runs. So I think that's a good sort of microcosm of what you can probably expect going forward. Uh, a decent batting average at the very best and probably a, a subpar one is, is a better expectation. But there is a whole lot of power potential there for Daniel Palka. Same said for Enrique Hernandez. He had a 16th home run. Uh, of the season against the Angels on Sunday. And, you know, the only question there, of course, is how much he can sustain playing time. But but Hernandez has shown himself to be somebody who can hit with some power and help in that way, particularly in deeper leagues, even without playing every day. So 16 home runs going into the break. That's, uh, that's the, a pretty nice, a little bit of a surprising stat uh, for Hernandez. Uh, but I think maybe a, a little bit of broader appeal uh, here for Yasmani Grandal who started off great. Well, first of all, going into the season, people were disappointed that he was going to be the primary catcher for the Dodgers because everybody uh, was excited about Austin Barnes. But then Grandal had a great beginning to the season and then slumped terribly and now seems to be on the uh, rise again. Three for three against the Angels, hit his 13th home run, also walked. Uh, you can you know, pretty much count on Grandal to be okay for OBP even when the batting average isn't there. But lately, the batting average has been there in a big way. His slash line over the last 11 games, yes, Monte Grandal, slash line is 394, 535, 758, uh, including a couple of home runs. So he's actually out there in a couple of my shallower leagues, and I need to go get him. Because even if I've got a catcher uh, I like, uh, that's production I don't want to leave out on waivers. And we could make a similar uh, statement here about Christian Villanueva in terms of uh, uh, 
a, a season that's looked kind of like a sine wave up and down and up and down. Uh, he's on the upswing again. He went two for three on Sunday with a walk against the Cubs. He hit his 19th home run of the year. Now think about that. These are things we kind of have to, now that we have the break and we can take a, a deep breath, we can put some of these things in perspective. Uh, and I'm going to just go off on a slight tangent here. Like the fact that Josh Hader's an all-star. And it seems like he's just been a great reliever forever, but he's got 95-plus career innings. He's still young in his career. I think I've come to take him for granted already. And, but, you know, think about it. His first full season in the majors, and Josh Hader's an all-star. That's incredible. So we could, we could get some perspective during the all-star break, and we could do that with Christian Villanueva. He has 19 home runs. Would you have predicted that the first week of the season? I would not have. And I liked Christian Villanueva. Villanueva going into the season. So, uh, like I said, uh, two for three with his 19th home run on Sunday against the Cubs. He has now started six of the last seven games uh, at third base, so we're not seeing quite as much Corey Spangenberg there lately. And over those seven games, Villanueva has gone seven for 23 for a 304 average with a couple of home runs. So it looks like he's getting back in a groove once again. And one more hitter, uh, Corey Dickerson, uh, with his seventh home run of the year and 22nd double. And uh, that was against the Brewers, taking his batting average up to 306. And he's somebody to watch because he'll almost certainly get traded before the uh, the deadline. And I wonder if this is a case where Corey Dickerson maybe finds some place where he can actually play more than he's played for the Pirates. And I, I maybe you can't expect him to hit for power this year. But uh, just like I was talking about with Brian Anderson, I could, I could use some help with batting average in some leagues. And Corey Dickerson, I definitely trust to help with that. Maybe not home runs and RBIs, but just something to think about. Anyways, let's get on to a few of the pitchers from Sunday. Masahiro Tanaka, his second start back off of the DL, and a pretty good one at Cleveland. Six and a third innings, two runs on six hits and a walk. Five strikeouts for Tanaka. Uh, so the first start back was sort of underwhelming. This is much more like it. Uh, good, a good vibe to go into as we uh, head to the break. And also a good vibe for Jeremy Hellickson, who had been a little bit underwhelming coming off of the DL, uh, but for the Nationals on uh, Sunday. Yes, you can, you can chalk this one up to the uh, matchup with the Mets, maybe more so than you know Tanaka facing a good Indians lineup. Uh, but Hellickson, one run over six innings on just two hits and two walks, six strikeouts for him. Uh, but I, you know, I actually did. I liked what I saw of, of him in the previous start. I went and started him yesterday. I'm glad I did. I think it's safe to start Hellickson other than in, in pretty shallow leagues at this point. And I also went with Sean Manaya yesterday just because I looked at his game log and thought, okay, this guy, you can't count on him for strikeouts. He's pretty contact friendly, puts the ball in the zone a lot. That, that, that could really hurt him against Latis, but he seems to very consistently handle lesser competition. So I thought, okay, get the Giants who have really scuffled offensively. I think I, I could deal with this one. And again, that paid off uh, two runs in six innings on five hits in a walk, but only one strikeout against the Giants. And in his last four starts combined, this is quite amazing. Sean Manaya has eight strikeouts in 23 innings. So I'm sure he will do better than that going forward. Uh, not necessarily that much better, but um, you know, I still think with the right matchups, uh, particularly in points leagues, that he's uh, he's perfectly fine. 
Julio Tehran with a nice start against the Diamondbacks, six scoreless, or I'm sorry, six and a third scoreless, uh, with four hits and three walks, six strikeouts. And going up against Patrick Corbin, these are a couple of pitchers, very unmania-like in that neither one pitches in the zone very much. It certainly worked better for Corbin than it has for Tehran so far this year because Corbin's just been better at getting getting chases, a lot better than Julio Tehran. But Tehran actually got the better results in this one. Uh, Corbin allowed four runs in six innings on six hits, just one walk, just three strikeouts. I'm not too worried about Patrick Corbin. I've gotten over... Uh, the little bit of worry that I had about him earlier in the season uh, because he is just so good at getting chases. Um, Tyler Anderson continued his uh, good run. Uh, it's now three good starts in a row at Coors Field. This latest one on Sunday gets the Mariners two runs in six innings, six strikeouts. Uh, so add that to good starts at Coors against the Giants and the Diamondbacks. Uh, I feel pretty good about starting Tyler Anderson no matter what. And Lucas Giolito, six and a third scoreless against the Royals. You might want to chalk that up to the the matchup somewhat, but he does have four quality starts in his last five starts overall. Uh, But he really relies on soft contact and pulled ground balls, uh, Giolito. So, you know, I'm not too enthused about starting him, but certainly curious to see how the second half goes for him. And then one last pitcher here, uh, and on more of a down note, Joe Musgrove, Lasted seven and two-thirds, gave up five runs on seven hits, four walks, five strikeouts against the Brewers. And after being really good his first couple of starts off the DL, a 5.31 ERA in his last seven starts combined, and just not getting very many ground balls. That's what's really uh, hurting Joe Musgrove at, uh, of late. So I think you can definitely bench him, depending on the format, uh, You know, maybe 12-team. You could, I think you'd certainly drop him. I think anything deeper, though, you just uh, see if uh, Musgrove can rebound from uh, his recent uh, inconsistencies because there have been some good starts mixed in there. So that's it. That's the first half. Put a bow on it. So we got the Home Run Derby tonight. We got the All-Star Game tomorrow. We got Tuesdays with Modica tomorrow. Lots to look forward to here. So have a great day, everybody, and enjoy watching lots of home runs tonight. Take care and have a good one.